be here with you guys. Is the microphone working? Everybody hear me? Good. Yeah, it's good to be here with you. I was here a number of months ago and spoke, and I've known John for a couple of years through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and uh, John and I have gotten to know each other a little bit by going to the conferences and then meeting together. We often get a coffee or something like that up near Harrisburg. He'll travel up my way about once a month or so, and we get together just to encourage each other, to help each other grow, and kind of coach each other in uh, relationships and in uh, just being pastors and trying to be real people at the same time. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak this morning. And uh, I understand that the last couple of weeks you guys have been in this series, Emergency Room, God's Design for Crisis. And so I wanted to do my best to kind of also be in crisis with you, okay? No. Uh, but I also want to do my best to really be somebody who's coming and, and staying with the theme of the series. And so this morning I'm going to speak to you from a passage of Scripture that is hidden and kind of tucked away there in the New Testament, and it's all about God's wisdom for our relationships. And I think that it can apply to this series in that when we're in crisis, we need wisdom, right? And we also need wisdom to stay out or avert crisis. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about this one verse of Scripture found in James chapter 1. It's all about God's wisdom for our relationships. Now, you need to know a couple things about the book of James, and I'm trying to just follow the little tape lines here so I don't cause too much feedback if you notice what I'm doing, uh, if I look like I'm dancing around here a little bit, trying to get used to where I won't cause problems this morning. I was the youngest of five kids, still am, and I caused the problems in the home, okay? I'll try to be well-behaved this morning and stay within the boundaries here so I don't cause too much feedback with the system, all right? So I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning, and in the book of James is considered a piece of wisdom literature, much like Proverbs is in the Old Testament. So that's sometimes when you're reading the book of James, you're reading it, you're like, man, this sentence doesn't connect with this sentence or this sentence, because they're proverbial sayings. But then as you go through like Proverbs, you can see where this train of thought connects back, and that's the way James is. So there's a couple other verses in the book of James that I will grab a hold of, and I think you're going to see as we walk through there, you're like, wow, I didn't see how that one connected with that one, but they definitely do. That's pieces of wisdom, and that's how wisdom literature usually works. They're usually pithy, short sayings that help us get a hold of heaven and get a hold of heaven's ideals and apply them here on earth. So the passage that we're going to be looking at today is found in James chapter 1. It goes like this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's read this out loud together. Let's go ahead. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so our first point is this. This morning we get from God's word is listen first. Listen first. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't usually listen first. You know, be quick to listen. And uh, I find it a little bit hard. I'm more of a speaker than I am a listener. And so over the years, I've had to learn how to listen. I'm, I'm doing some training in how to be an interpersonal coach with people. And one of the things, the first things you do, the first discipline you do as a coach is you listen. And then you ask questions. And then you guide the person in a process of growth based on their goals. Well, it's hard for me just to listen because somebody says one thing and I go, oh, I know something about that. I know a book related to that. I know a person related to that. And I just start to spew out my knowledge 
or my little you know, thoughts about that. And I did that at first with John. I remember meeting with John the first time. I had to tell him, John, I'm going to tell you about articles I know and books that I know. And you're allowed to just go like this. When we're at Tropical Smoothie, you're allowed to go like this. You know? And when you do that, it's actually, you're actually saying the words of an old hymn in the church, I scarce can take it in. <laughs> I scarce can take it in. Because I tend to be more of a verbal person. I, I don't move to listening first, but God's Word tells us in relationship with Him and in relationship with others that we need to listen first. Because all of our relationships that are horizontal down here on earth are, can be influenced by the vertical relationship that we have with God. And James knows that. And in the book of James, it keeps telling us in the book of James that how our relationships down here connect with this vertical relationship with God and can be influenced by Him. God's Word tells us that it's not intuitive for most of us to listen first. But if we listen first, a lot of relational pain can be averted. A lot of relational conflict can be resolved when we just stop and we listen. Listening is a gift that all of us want, but few of us give. Let's say that out loud together. Listening is a gift that all of us want, but few of us know how to give, right? Everyone wants to be heard. In, even in the Bible, it says, how many times does it say in the Psalms, listen to me? You know, David cries out, hear my cries, listen to me. He wants to be heard. And it's the cry of our soul to be heard and understood and embraced and empowered to deal with the challenges of life. Even one of the most, uh, most um, well-known passages of Scripture in all the Bible that Jesus even quoted is called the Shema. It starts with this Hebrew word, listen. Listen, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And so even God wants to be heard. He wants to be listened to. He wants you to come to Him and listen to His words and to listen first to Him. You know, everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be listened to a few months back, or maybe even longer than that, this video, this little video went viral, and it kind of embodies how our souls cry out to be listened to. Listen to this little guy here and his cry to be heard, okay? Let's, say, let's watch this video together. Like, I'm listening to me, listening to me. Like, like, I do this all the time, and if I go out at the, at the house or the door, Matthew has his toy, and then Matthew has all his toys. Okay. But I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, it can touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, I'm. Look at, look at. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes, and you try to get cupcakes, and you try to ask Grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do this thing right out, this, if, we, if we get close up, you can't even get them. You're going to burn your butt. Don't What's going to burn your butt? Up. 
Yes. You and Kevin don't listen, so I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Grandpa, but Grandpa's gonna give me pop pals in your butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want him to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's my little pop He's your little pop ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot Linda, have it, cupcakes it, for dinner. Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything, you can get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the Linda, dog. Look at listen to me all the time to get them to, to, I'm done break. arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. Isn't that true? I'm not arguing with you. You know, it's interesting that the whole time she never summarizes what he's after. What he's after is not just the cupcakes. He's saying, when I'm at Grandma's house, I obey her rules. And so she says, I can have these cupcakes, you know, and I can touch different things. And I, I can't do that at our house, but I can do it here because I'm under grandma's house rules here, you know. And it's kind of interesting that his mother never really summarizes that for him and then says, but I'm here now. Too bad, buddy. <laughs> and uh, he probably does need a couple pow pals on his butt. He was a little fresh, wasn't he? <laughs> but isn't that just like us? Like she wanted him to hear her. And he wanted her to hear him, but neither one was really communicating. And in the end, I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you, right? How many times have you done that with other people? Oh, no, no, I'm not arguing with you. And we both want to be heard. We want to be heard. And the key to being heard and listening to each other and having good relationships with one another, having God's wisdom in our relationship with each other, the key to that is listening to God first. Listening to him first. It says just a few verses later here in this passage that this key is listening to God's God first. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And anyone who listens to the word must not do, must, uh, not do what it says. It's like a man who walks away his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. And then in verse 21 it says this, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so present, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word that God wants to plant in you. So many times we're trying to relate to others, but we're not slowing down to humbly accept the word God has planted in us, to slow us down, to help us be grounded in him, to help us listen to God, to help us lift ourselves up to God. We would be so much, and I would be so much more relaxed in some of my interactions with my wife, with my children, with my co-workers, with my church family, with my community, if I would slow down and listen to God first and take the word that he has planted in me and put it to place in my life. I wouldn't be so much demanding for the other person to listen to me. The problem is most of us listen to reply. We don't listen to understand. 
I don't know about you. I listen to reply. I listen. I parse words. I look for them. I don't even know I'm doing that. And I'm just listening to reply back. I'm listening to correct what you said. I'm listening. You, well, you said this. I might get on a few key phrases that you said, but I'm not listening to understand you. And when I listen to understand you, when I listen to God to understand him, I phrase back. We, this morning, we were sitting here. What were we doing and singing and worshiping? We were phrasing back to God his word to us. We were telling him back, I hear you, Lord. I hear you say these things about yourself and about me and about my destiny and about my anxiety and about my needs and about my calling in life and about my conflict in my life and about my victories in my life. And so I just, I phrase it back to you. I'm hearing you, O Lord. When we're praising and worshiping God, we're saying, we're hearing you. We hear you, Lord. We agree with you, Lord. We lift ourselves up to you, Lord. Lord, we want a different mindset. We want you to change us and rearrange us. That's what happens to us in worship. We're listening to God and we're phrasing back to him, what his word says to us. I want to talk just a couple minutes about listening to reply and then listening to understand. Listening to reply, when I, when I listen to reply, I hold people's words against them and I key in on certain words. Just talked about that. When I'm listening to reply, I'm listening for a couple key words, I get a hold of them, but you said this, but you said that. But you remember five years ago when we were talking about that in the hallway upstairs, you said this, you know. Do you ever hold on to those words that tightly? Every time we talk about that, you say, boom, right? It's defensive in nature. When I'm listening just to reply, I'm defensive in nature. It has the goal of win-lose, <laughs> right? Like the little guy there. He wanted to win, he wanted his mother to lose, right? And so that's the goal when we're just listening to reply. But the goal of listening to understand, it looks for meaning behind the words, it listens closely to what's important to that person. It doesn't try to read in things, but it listens for kind of the music that surrounds someone's words. What are they saying? What are they feeling? How are they thinking about that? It's vulnerable in nature. In other words, you can say to someone, I, I heard you say this, but I don't quite understand that. Could you, could you keep talking to me about that a little bit? I'm okay with that. I'm here with you, okay? And it has the goal of win-win. The goal of win-win is I want to hear you and I want you to hear me and I want us to be in a healthier relationship as we listen to each other. The key to listening well is to slow down and practice our listening skills with our Heavenly Father first. Listening for His words to us, His words of blessing and redemption, His words of restoration. Listen to what the wisdom of James says in these few short verses away. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can do what? Which can save you. Let's say this out loud together. Let's read it out loud together. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you by slowing down and listening to God first. It's no wonder that God, who's the master creator of all relationships, says, slow down and listen to me first. So I, I want us to do an exercise that's part of... Uh, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Curriculum. And uh, it, this isn't something that's new. This has been something that's in the church down through the ages. And it's really silence and stillness before God. And I like to do this by taking in God's Word first. I'll read a phrase. I'll read a chapter of Scripture. I'll do a Scripture reading. I might sit there and journal about it. or just My journal is usually bullet points. I'm not a big, like, you know, 
discursive writer, but I'll just write down little thoughts and things I notice and even distracting thoughts. I'll have a place over here for all my distracting thoughts. Things over here. Okay, cut the grass later. Do this later. Okay, pick up the dishes later. Don't worry about that cup of coffee that's still in the microwave. But whatever. And that helps me track with what I'm supposed to be tracking with over here, which is my just quiet time with God. So I, I do that in, in my still, and I just try to quiet, quiet and still my soul. Exodus uh, 14, 4, uh, 14, 14 says, If the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Many times we're fighting for ourselves, right? We're working for ourselves. And, and the Word of God says, the, the Lord will fight for you. Just be still. Be quiet. In this conflict with this other person, you've had a lot of thoughts and a lot of, you know, just be quiet, be still for a while, okay? So here's some guidelines this morning. And it's sit down or begin to walk and take a few deep breaths and settle into the silence. Now, I don't want you walking this morning. The reason that I put walking up there is this. Some people have a hard time being still on the inside when they're still on the outside. Okay? Some people are just like that. Like, I do better when I'm walking my dog in the morning and I'm doing this exercise. I'm more still on the inside because I'm moving a little bit on the outside. Anybody else like that here? Maybe you like to run or walk or some, you know, that, that's why I think some guys that are hunters and stuff, they like to walk through the woods and they like to get in their tree stand and they like to be in an, an environment where they can, <gasps> they can slow down and kind of just relax, okay? So uh, this morning we're going to sit. You don't, you're not going to walk around the sanctuary this morning, okay? We're going to sit and take a few deep breaths and then we're going to choose this simple prayer, okay? Here I am, Lord, please speak to me. Here I am, Lord, please speak to me. Okay, we're just going to say that to the Lord. Calm yourself, offer that prayer to Jesus, allowing his will and full love access in your life. And then when you become distracted, offer your simple prayer to God again. You know, Lord, just come and help me learn how to listen, okay? So we're going to try that this morning, okay? So we're going to go back to, what's our prayer here? Yeah, here I am, Lord, please speak to me. I want you just to quiet yourself. You can close your eyes if you want to. Keep your eyes open and read the prayer off the screen. I just want you to take a couple of minutes right now. Let's take a couple of deep breaths. <sighs> breathe out our anxiety and breathe in Jesus. Come to where we are, Lord Jesus. Speak to us. Let's just say this prayer out loud. Here I am, Lord. Please speak to me. Let's take a couple minutes for quiet. Lord, come meet us in the still, quiet moments of our life so that we can hear you all the time, even when it's noisy and in all the in-between. Speak to us in the quiet so we can hear you, even when it's noisy and at every other time during our day. We want to hear you. 
We want to listen to you. We want to listen to others so that we can reflect you in our relationships and be healthy. In Christ's name, amen. amen. David Augsburger said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. Think about that. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, if you just listen to them, they feel loved. They feel cared for. They look look out for. And that's our goal, is to be as Christ to them, okay? So the second thing that I see in this passage is to tame your tongue. To tame your tongue for wisdom in our relationships. Because it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, okay? I want us to say this phrase, slow to speak, this way. Slow to speak, okay? Let's just say it real slow so we can remember that. Slow to speak. You guys sounded just like Eeyore. Thank you very much. Slow to speak. And, uh, you know, I, I, I said, and I, admit, I, I admitted it before, I'm not slow to speak. Part of it is by the way that I'm made up, but part of it is I'm, I'm just American. I'm North American. I'm from the United States of America, right? And what do we have in the United States of America? Opinions. Opinions. Turn on talk radio. You will hear tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of opinions, right? And I'm the same way. And not only do I feel like I have the right to share my opinion, I feel like it's my duty many times to share my opinion. And so I can go on and just back up, back up the truckload of opinions and I can just offload it, you know? And unfortunately, in a relationship, sometimes these opinions don't land like their opinions or preferences. They land like their virtues or values that everybody should espouse and have, right? And that's our problem in relationship. And then people get quiet and they back off because we act like all of our virtues and all of our values are things and all our preferences are things that everybody needs to embrace. And so the Word of God says this, be slow to speak, slow down, evaluate that before you say that. Are you putting on to them your value that may or may not be God's value? It may or may not be something they need to take on. Have you taken the time to sit and listen to yourself about that subject matter and your opinion about it. Is it simply a preference or is it a value that you have that you do need to talk about and demonstrate to them that that's your value and why that's important to you, but it might not be a value that they embrace? And that's where we get hung up because we can just say our opinions really quick and really fast and kind of move on, right? But it's another thing to think through. Is this, just a, is this really a virtue? Or is this just something that is a preference of mine? And so with great passion, sometimes I will tell my adult children what my values are for them. All three of my children are adults now, you know. The oldest is married for five years. We're visiting him last weekend in Pittsburgh, and, and he's studying to be a doctor. And so he's in Pittsburgh for a month, and what he's doing is he's slicing up brains, literally slicing up brains and looking at them under a microscope because he's studying to be a neurologist, and he's a third-year resident of a neurologist. And so I, I, don't know, I don't know half of what he's learning, but every once in a while I have to chip in something because I feel like a total moron when him and his mother, my wife, who's a nurse practitioner, studying to be a nurse practitioner, they're talking and talking and talking, and his wife Karen and I just kind of slide down to the other end of the bar in the kitchen and like, hey, how are you doing today, you know? But every once in a while I notice that I... 
I, I, I noticed this that I was doing this. I kind of picked up on it from some of the things that Karen... I, I was trying to, to tell him some things that were important to me, but I was saying them not in a way that was like, hey, this is important to me, I'm learning this, growing this. I was saying them as like strong statements about like, well, you know, when you come to this apartment that they rent for you here at UPMC, you know, you should probably come in here and get that Swiffer out first and clean this up. And do, you know, I was trying to tell him how to run his apartment... In Pittsburgh, he's 28 years old. He's been married for five years. He's a third-year chief resident neurologist. I don't think he really needs me telling him how to clean his apartment up anymore. <laughs> but sometimes as the dad, I need to back off, and I just need to say, okay, we have a different relationship now. And uh, I need to learn from you and listen to you. Even if you read books about coma and stupor, and that's fun for you. I don't read those books about coma and stupor, and he's showing me all his books and having a good time. I just need to stop and, and relax with you and not share all my opinions with you. Just a stone's throw away in the same chapter of the book of James, we read these words. If anyone considers themselves religious but doesn't keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. The word picture here is that our tongues are kind of like a wild stallion horse. I don't know if you've ever seen a wild stallion horse and see them actually tame that horse. But those horses have a lot of power. If you see a wild stallion horse, they've got a tremendous amount of power, a tremendous amount of ability to do something good and something that's constructive, but they often are using all their power for something that's destructive, and they need to be harnessed in, tethered in, brought under the power of this master rider who can ride the horse and channel the horse and channel the power of the horse. And that's the same thing with our tongue. Our tongue is a powerful thing, right? When we say something, you, you probably carry words with you from people, even from childhood, that were specific little words that were spoken somewhere in your childhood, and they're powerful. That's why the Word of God says the tongue is a powerful thing. It's like a wild horse that needs to be tethered and tamed by God himself, the Father. And so that's why it's important for us to slow down and take our thoughts and our words and, and our actions and say, Father, tame my tongue. Help me not to be someone who just expounds what I think is my knowledge and my opinion. And um, what I've noticed is that people who have tamed their tongues are people who've learned how to ask good questions. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice people that you like being around are people that ask you questions? There's a couple of people I like being around. One of, one of them names is Eldon. And Eldon and I are friends. And when I get together with Eldon, he's a guy who just asks me all kinds of questions. He's like a spiritual dad in, in my life. And he takes his time to listen to me, but asks me questions. And he'll usually say something about the middle of the conversation. He'll go, wow, that's something really interesting that you're discovering. Maybe you should just sit with that for a few minutes as we're here having coffee. So why don't we just sit there and quiet for a couple minutes? And he's not afraid of the quiet. A couple minutes later, he'll go, now what are you thinking about that? Now that you just got to sit here for a couple minutes with a friend who you trust. I like being with him because there's a power of those questions. He's not just sharing his information or opinion. He's asking God to be in our presence, and then he's slowing down with me. He's listening to God together with me. He's helping me get before the throne of God and the presence of God as we're together, and he's asking me these great questions. For about the last uh, three or four months, I have been selling cars for Bobby Ray Hall Toyota. Anybody ever hear Bobby Ray Hall Toyota Mechanicsburg? 
I'm going to transition in ministry next month. I take over as an interim pastor, and I'll be traveling up to New York to do that. And so this is my last week selling cars at Bobby Ray Hill Toyota. So it's really lucky for you because there's 3,000 off the RAV4, and you guys can come up and buy one from me this week <laughs> at Bobby Ray Hill Toyota in Mechanicsburg on the Carlisle Pike, 6711 Carlisle Pike. <laughs> Dial 717-514-3805. But here's what I've noticed about selling cars. You know, they give us a lot of training in selling cars, and I have this um, a manager that I have to go to. I don't know if you ever bought a car lately, but they usually have a manager. And, you know, if you're a young guy, you can't make that. And I'm not young, but if I'm young in selling cars, I have to keep going back to my manager. And sometimes people get a little, you know, put off by that. But that's because you don't have as much authority to call the deal as the guys who have been selling cars for a long time. But here's what I noticed about the guys who have been selling cars for a long time, especially the managers. The other night, I was talking to this gentleman. He wanted his pickup truck. He drove from Shippensburg, he and his wife and everything. And, and uh, of course, he wanted his trade was worth like 10 times more than I was willing to give him on the trade, right? Because you have this emotional tie to your trade. The best used car you will ever own is the one you're trading in, right? Because it's the best. And here's what I noticed about it. It had been his father's truck, and his father had Parkinson's disease. His father couldn't drive the truck anymore, so his father gave him the truck. So I knew there was a lot of emotional you know, power in this vehicle, and that when I quoted him what I quoted him from Kelly Blue Book, he wasn't going to like it. So I said to him, before I give you this quote, we can part as friends, right? <laughs> and it was interesting... Because my manager came back, and my manager did something different. Instead of just speaking to him, he just asked him questions. Why is the truck so important to you? What about the truck do you like? And the guy started talking about this other truck he could have bought that day. And he said, well, why didn't you buy it if it was such a great deal? Why didn't you buy that truck? Why are you even here with us tonight? And then the guy started talking, well, I like this other truck. I really didn't like that truck. I didn't want a four-wheel drive truck. I wanted to. But he was, Mike is great at asking questions. Now, if you met Mike, Mike is a total introvert. And I often think that people who are more introverted are better at stopping, listening, and phrasing and asking questions. Sometimes. Now, sometimes the introvert is just off there somewhere. You know, they're off and they just they haven't heard anything you've said at all. Okay. But that's the way we need to be. We need to be people who slow down. We're not quick to speak. If I'm asking you questions, I'm not quick to speak, right? I'm again asking you because I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. I'm asking for God to tame my tongue so we can listen first. Listen first. Last point I want to talk to you about this morning from this verse being, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Postpone judgment. Postpone judgment. Okay? And uh, in our relationships... When I am uh, in, my, in my relationships, in our relationships, when we're in kind of a conflict with someone, often we'll, we'll um, I, I don't know if you do this, but I will do this. I won't postpone judgment. I'll try to figure out why they're thinking or why they're saying what they're saying. And I kind of assign a motive to that. Like, oh, they're upset with me, or they don't like this certain quality about me, and that's why they're saying that or doing that. And I'll read too much into their motive. I'm not reading into trying to read them or read their emotions or feelings. That's a good thing. I'm reading too much into their motivation about why they're saying this, why they're doing this, why they're interacting with me this way. And I'm assigning a motive to them, and that usually pushes, pushes them away. 
But the better thing that I could do is to move to something called wonder, or moving to be puzzled. I'm puzzled about why we can't resolve this. I'm puzzled as to why you use this phrase. I'm, I'm puzzled as to why, what that phrase means. Last night when we were talking, you said this phrase. You said, that won't work for me. But we didn't talk about why that wouldn't work for you. So I had to jump. I feel like I'm jumping to conclusions, and I don't want to do that. Can you tell me why what we were trying to work on won't work for you? See, that's more vulnerable. That's more open. That's more of a, a, a didactic thing back and forth. And in order to move forward, we need to ask for clarification, and we need to move to wonder. And that wards off anger in our relationships, okay? It wards off that anger in our relationships. James 1.20 says this, um, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the, the, the uh, righteousness that God desires. So these three actions, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, are three actions that can help us. But I want to talk about one thing just as we close this morning, and that's the power of the cross in our life. You know, the power of the cross in our life goes something like this. Our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit can influence and affect all the other relationships that we have horizontally. When we look at life that way, we're looking at life through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus left his world. Jesus entered our world. Jesus held on to himself. And then Jesus hung between those two worlds. Jesus left his world and he listened to us. Jesus entered our world. Jesus held on to himself. And Jesus hung between those two worlds on the cross for us to redeem us. The power of the redeeming work on the cross influences, can influence all of our relationships when we're willing to be like Jesus. When you and I are willing to be like Christ, when we're willing to leave our world, leave our perspective, when we're willing to enter the other person's world and listen and not move to judgment or move to, to giving opinions right away, when we hold on to ourselves and our values and what we really believe and who we are in Christ, but then when we hang between those two worlds, our relationships can be influenced by the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. We're never more like Christ than when we leave our world. We step into somebody else's world, but we're doing that in our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want us to say out loud together this uh, verse one more time, and then I'm going to say a word of prayer to close us out this morning. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's talk to God in prayer. So Lord, we ask today that you would help us with our relationships to be healthier, to be holier, to be more like you, to reflect the power of the cross and who the Lord Jesus Christ is in our lives. To be quick to listen to others and to consider where they're at in life. To be slow to speak, but ask good questions and engage in a relationship that's filled with your spirit to invite you all the time into that relationship. To be slow to speak and slow to become angry because we're giving 
our person and our thoughts to you at all times. And reflecting that in